and welcome to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. I'm Sarah Pittendrick, a mum, award-winning entrepreneur, cancer survivor, mentor and coach. In series two of the podcast, we're sharing new stories along with the ethos that you are never too old and it's never too late to design a life you love. This episode features Bianca Robinson. Bianca runs the national charity CEO Sleepout. CEO Sleepout call on business leaders, business owners, and senior executives to spend a night under the stars to unite to fight homelessness and poverty across the UK. As a result of this, countless lives have been changed. More than 5,000 executives have raised over £3 million, which has been donated to over 100 charities. Over her career, Bianca has held many roles, including in graphic design, sales, lecturing, marketing, and public speaking. Born in New Zealand, Bianca's journey has taken her to the north of England, where she now leads her mission to challenge leaders to use their power to create greater social impact. Bianca's work is truly impactful, and I'm excited to hear more about it on this episode of the Formidable Over 40 podcast. So before we do, please can I ask you to rate and subscribe to the Formidable Over 40 podcast so I can keep sharing more inspirational stories like this. So, hi, Bianca. I am so happy to have you on the Formidable Over 40 podcast. Me too. I've been following your activity for a wee while now, Sarah. And yeah, just great what you do. Been listening to the podcast. I'm finding quite inspirational stories on there too. So yeah, really cool to be here. I've given a little bit of an introduction there to you for the listeners and anyone watching on YouTube. But would you share a little more about who you are and and what you do for for anyone who, as I say, is listening and watching? Yes, of course. So you mentioned there that I'm a New Zealander. I think people can definitely pick up a Kiwi twang <laughs> when I talk. Um, and I and somehow I've washed up on the on the beach here in Saltburn by the sea in the, the little old Victorian town in the north of England. Um, and I do what I do, running the CEO Sleep Out Charity uh, and, and my other pet projects from my box room um, <laughs> in the north of England. And, and I'm building that national yeah. brand from here. Um, but Brilliant. yes, I, I sort of I, I sort of arrived here uh, chasing a man, not chasing a man. I was married mm-hmm. to um, <laughs> in this neck of the woods. Um, yeah, we we had met in Edinburgh. Um, uh, five weeks after meeting, we we did realise that I was pregnant with twins. Um, <laughs> and at that point, I was like, I need my mum. Uh, I need my family yes. support. So we went back to New Zealand, but. What I found yeah. was that people here from the northeast, they are very, very family oriented. Um, mm. They really are close knit. And Greg just was so homesick and he said, please, can we go home? And he kind of said to me, he said, we can get 100% mortgage. Oh, okay. That's kind of sealed the deal for me. So off we yeah. go back here. And, and I thought, you know, actually, this is a really lovely place to live and, and raise my kids mm. and the twins old now yeah no that's absolutely fantastic what a wonderful story but five weeks and then <laughs> pregnant with twins I mean goodness gracious me I don't think how on earth did you 
I mean, you must have been absolutely just shocked to the core with that one. Yeah. It's a feeling when, when I was told that it was twins, it was at five yeah. weeks. I, was having a, um, I had an ultrasound because I was so sick. that. But they said, oh, yeah, I can definitely see two heartbeats. I was thinking, my baby's got two hearts. <laughs> it hadn't even resonated that you might be having two babies. <laughs> I said, no, you have a twin. Oh. I was like nearly, you laugh and cry and you know, yes. it is a very strange feeling. It's terrifying, but also a little bit exciting. And I really wasn't ready for it. We hadn't, you know, it was yeah. definitely unplanned, but actually mm. realized that this is a big task. You've got to step up to it. Yeah. Well, so that's what well, that's what we tried to do. And we, you know, we've we've co-parented very, very successfully. We've been separated since 05, but co-parented here in Saltburn. Thought that's what best yeah. with the girls growing up is have both their parents. I could have taken them back to New Zealand, Sarah. But I decided mm, yes. because Greg had such great qualities as a dad. And I thought, you know, yeah. you know, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to dig in and 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 I've got to sort of at the time I was thinking of it as I'm gonna make a sacrifice. But actually yeah. now one years later in Saltburn, think I haven't made a sacrifice at all. It's been a great place to grow them up. It's been a real community feel. Um, you know, it takes yes. a I think that they've been raised by the village. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? That it's, it's interesting. Um, I've got a lot of of, of my clients and and and, and uh, coming to me saying how lonely they are at the moment. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because that community that you're talking about there, you know, it takes what is it they say? It takes a village to raise a what's it? What is it saying? Isn't it something? It takes a village to raise a family or something like that. And it and it is true, isn't it? That you know, if you can be in that community, gosh, especially with what we've just gone through you know, over the last few years with the pandemic and everything. And I think, you know, all this working it from home and so forth and people who haven't got the benefit of that community are really feeling isolated and, oh, and, and quite lonely now. It really got yeah. me through, um, through pandemic time, through yeah. real um, real serious illness. Um, you yes. know, your friends are and they were there like to cradle me and get me through and it's and it made it all the easier that all yeah in kind of a quarter of a mile radius to we call it the oh. hall's residence because you can yes. go on the street and knock on your best friends have a cup of tea oh, that's fantastic <laughs> isn't it there's, there's, you couldn't put a, you can't put a price on that can you you can't put a price on that and this this podcast formidable over 40 the ethos behind that is for people who maybe do feel stuck and maybe a bit isolated and, and lonely and at, at that midlife crossroads where they maybe don't have anybody who they can talk to and i think when you're a, a female founder or a, a woman in business you know who's sort of in that senior management management position it's often feared to to speak up and speak out about how you feel for the fear of losing the authority that you've built up through the decades. And there's a lot of people relying on you. And if you're, you know, you're you're the breadwinner or the strong one in your home, you don't really necessarily have anybody who's who's actually listening or who who understands. And in business, you really can't be sharing how you feel with the people who are working for you and with you because you don't want to be rocking that ship and they're they're relying on you so you've got a lot of weight on your shoulders so this podcast is all about anyone who's feeling feeling that feeling stuck and needs to be inspired yeah it's to show them that you know you can break through you can overcome challenges you're never too old it's never too late to design a life you love 
So I called it formidable over 40. Some people say, oh, that sounds too, too sort of um, frightening. It's like a fearful sort of this formidable creature. But I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying being formidable means that you can you can just make it happen. You know, get out there, make it happen. You're not just a someone's, you're a someone. Yeah. What does formidable over 40 mean to you when you when you think of being formidable over 40? Well, I absolutely love the phrase. I think it's brilliant. I think to me it speaks to owning your who you are. I was gonna say owning yeah. your shit, Sarah. So let's say it. Owning yeah. your shit. Absolutely. Owning your shit. Absolutely say it. Um, owning who you are. Um and accepting that real self-acceptance, you know, there is, it's not caring what other people think about you or what you're doing anymore, just doing it. Mm. it. Suddenly yeah. you get to the point where you look back at your journey and it's, I think people think it's just success is that, oh, she's gone on that, you know, yeah. straight, straight line. And at some, at some parts of it, you know, it's a knockdown. Yeah. Or it's, a, it's a kind of a, side swipe or you get taken off an off ramp onto another journey altogether and that is okay that's the rich tapestry of your life isn't it and that creates and builds I think there's a there's a huge thing about by the time you hit over 40 you've had enough experience you've had enough experiences in the bank to know that you can overcome yes you know you know that if you hit one of life's curveballs and that leads Mm. to what we all fear which is a failure but actually, life ticks on. You get up, you pull your socks up, you pull your trousers up, you get big girl pants yeah. on, yeah. and off you go again. You just go again. Yeah. Otherwise, what else do you do? What's the alternative? What's the alternative? And we've all got that in us. And I think there's this mm. big looming fear that we have of the word failure because it's humiliating. Yeah. It's crushing. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. my God, it didn't work out. Mm. What, what in the world what 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 can I possibly do but once you get over that hump and you've actually gone through some of the deep shit come out the other side you realize yeah. oh, okay I've got a resilience yes. here I've got a bit mm-hmm. of a strength here and I'm actually resourceful I can actually turn that into something new and yeah. I do say I say to my girls they get they get unsolicited life coaching from me all the time <laughs> Feeling, so does my son. Um, <laughs> it's like Yawnsville. Yeah. Um, and I say, listen, um, pain is where the growth is. If yeah. you're if you're wrapping yourself up in cotton wool all the time to avoid potential rejection yeah. or humiliation or embarrassment or pain, you're yeah. going to grow. And life begins at the end of your comfort zone. So it does. Yeah. yeah. It's so yes, I've been there. I've done that. I have had, you know, numerous things that haven't worked out the way I would have, you know, hoped to. Um, but here yeah. I still am trudging on. And, you know, that's that's cool. That's okay. I've got a bit more, my skin's a little bit thicker. Um, yeah. You know, but I, you know, yeah. But it gives you the empathy to, to kind of support others if they're going through something as well, because you've been there and you know the living that's test by the same. Yeah, age. absolutely. Yeah, it's true. And I think the the thing about failure, so many people really do fear failure. But like you, you, you very well said there, you know, you know, life does start at the end of your comfort zone. And I think that failure can really shape you. And I, I say to people who tell me, I say, oh, but I'm really scared of failing. And I say, well, if you do, 
Yeah, it's, it's think of all the lessons that you've learned. And those lessons are what's going to shape you and take you forward. And I, I, I think failure is such an awful word. And I, and, I, and I take it back to school. And if you think about it, let's use this as an example. You go to school and you can't read and you can't write. So by the time you've started doing your spellings, yeah, you might have got, I don't know, say, say you had to have nine out of 10 to pass. So you get eight out of 10 and you're told you failed. You failed that exam. But the point was, when you started, you couldn't spell. So you got eight right. So you didn't really fail. You didn't fail. You actually were eight spellings ahead of where you were when you started. And I think this is where the problem is. It's about how you reframe this word. You failed your driving test. Well, you couldn't drive a bloody car before you passed your test. Well, you can drive your car now. It's just there are certain elements that you need to improve upon. You didn't fail the bloody spelling test. You got eight right, but there were a couple you got wrong. And it's this, isn't it? It's about reframing failure. It really drives me insane. I hate the bloody word because you've learned so much. You haven't failed. Do you see where I'm coming from, though? It's yeah. true, isn't it? Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, there are times when things won't go as you had hoped. Mm-hmm. And 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 so you know once you've done that okay well this is this is the pitfall I'm not going to go this is a this is what I, this is what I'm going to do to mitigate that I'm going to try yeah. a bit harder I'm going to cover yeah. my base more I'm going to do a bit more research I'm going to you know but but it, it yeah. makes you sure it hones you yeah it really does I am someone who has got the bloody t-shirt on failure Jesus I mean I have made some real big cock-ups in my time but I would like to think that's got me to where I am today and I'm quite pleased with where I am today so you know it's we've just got to take it on the chin and move on learn from the lesson so in terms of um you know talk about formidable over 40 and and what what these formidable fabulous women are and these opportunities that are there for us but if we go back to to say when you were 15 yeah what were you doing when you were 15 what were your hopes what were your aspirations what were your dreams back when you were 15 I did not have a clue I knew I was good at art Mm -hmm. Uh, my dad was an advertising man so I liked the idea of going into the advertising world but do you know what? I was so gormless. I was grew too tall, too fast. Oh, I was bony. I was freckly. I was pale. I had one ear that stuck out. <laughs> really did. I've had it pinned back. Yourself. I mean, I was, and I was chinless. So I, I've had, I had all the dentistry work and stuff. You wouldn't believe. So, third, so, so, so by the time I hit 15, I was sort of just coming. I thought, okay, I, I, you know, I've had me off the dentistry now. I, I can face the world. And but my dad could see that I had lacked real confidence and elegance and grace. I didn't have any of that. I was gormless. I was really, really awkward in my own skin. And right. shy, I wasn't confident. I, I could put a front on with my friends, but in mm. the world, like I couldn't pick up the phone and phone somebody I didn't know even. You know, it was like it was mm-hmm. like real dread. It was that's yeah. a product upbringing and stuff as well and the family um, dynamics that we had but but yeah um so he decided oh I'm gonna just sign her up for a you know one of these modeling courses yeah and um I had never wanted to be a model or anything like that but I think he thought well it's, it's deportment it's it'll give her confidence it'll give her a sense of style or whatever blah 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 
And he took me into this course and, you know, I was absolutely mortified. I was, I had the dread. I didn't sleep the night before it started. I went in my mm-hmm. hand sweaty and I remember sitting there and actually wiping them on my trousers and the person was taking it off like never wipe your hands on your trousers it's the first lesson I learned when I went there and it was all these glamorous women teenage you know old teenagers learning to be models and here was me it was horrendous anyway by the end of it I did actually get put on the book Sarah amazing I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out why, but the photos came out okay. So there you there was something to go on. Um, yeah. and, and as it went on over about the next five or six years, I, I did that as well as going to school and then uni and stuff um, mm-hmm. and, and made some money. But um, I ended up with a, an agency where they, they went bust and I lost a lot of money in, in that process. It was about 10 grand. Mm-hmm. And Gosh. I just lost confidence again. I lost heart. Mm-hmm. lost the will to kind of pursue that it was that rejection I just hated every minute of it I, you know um yeah yeah so so anyway um I went overseas to America after I'd got my degree and I, I ended up in New York and I was staying with a, a friend of mine who I'd gone to school with and we were uh, she was nannying for one of a, a really really influential family in the yeah. state and um and the, the 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 mother in that family took a shine to me. She said, well, she said, we could take you down to Ford Models. And she said, we could get you signed up there. And, and I went, oh, no, I, no way. I can't. I just instantly, that stomach turning anxiety, mm-hmm. that fear. She said, we could just leave you pictures on the at the receptionist. And, and what I hadn't realized was that she probably had, she could pull strings. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but anyway, no, I just did not have the confidence in me that I could make it, that I could do it. Right. And, and I remember my mum not being very supportive or being fearful of what could happen to me in New York if it didn't yeah. And so I just decided no and I went off to London. <laughs> and mm-hmm. myself. So I think that that was a big, I regretted it. And, mm-hmm. I, and that's a big lesson for me. And now um, instead of saying no to things and regretting it, yes. we had the most incredible experience, you mm-hmm. know, but now I say yes to things, and sometimes I say yes to too many things. <laughs> but I just don't want to miss out on yeah. potential amazing experiences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and opportunities, yeah. I think that, and I think when you get into to midlife, it becomes more prevalent, doesn't it? That you just, you know, you, you don't want to miss out. And I think that's the, that's the important thing, isn't it? It's about, you know, reflecting on what we've done, and, and that's all absolutely wonderful. And but I think it becomes a point where I say this a lot, where you you, you sort of start thinking, well, hang on a minute, you know, whether if you're a mum and your kids are grown up or you know whatever, it's time to be a someone again yeah. and not a someone's, you know. And I think for me, I've always had a t- feeling of a ticking clock in my life. Yeah, always, I get that. Always mm. had it, and. Um, Right, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to go hell for leather, Bianca. Come on! And I had twins, and I was building a career, and you know, it's not mm. like I took any time off to sort of be a be a full time mum. I was like, bang, driving up to Newcastle. There were two driving up to Newcastle, getting home at seven p.m., falling asleep on the sofa in my clothes. Yeah, getting up, yeah. up and leaving at six fifteen the next day, <laughs> and yeah. you know, it just felt it felt like I couldn't slow down. Mm. And I think what happened then is, you know, eventually that does catch up with you, and you go yes. 
now into the brick wall, don't you? But uh, yeah. but I've always had a ticking clock, and now now I've been through a, a massive health scare, and yeah. um, I'm kind of a cancer survivor. Mm. That's louder. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think it makes you even more determined, doesn't it, to try and wring every every little drop out of life. But I suppose we've also kind of got to be sensible about that so that we understand what it is that's really driving us and making sure that that drive is healthy because sometimes for some people that drive isn't necessarily a healthy drive it's you know um i i've known people who've who've been driven thinking that money was the answer and you know they've got to to the end of like you know in the into the late 50s and they've been pushing for money all the time, thinking that it was money, 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 money. And they got to the end of that journey and they had all that money in the bank. But then they realized it wasn't the money and they've missed the journey. So it's about, it, 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 isn't it? It's, it's about understanding what drives you. What would you say drives you? What's, what, what is it that pushes well, you? Well, it's funny you, you introduced this thing about money because money can't buy you a sense of personal fulfillment. Mm. full stop and it doesn't matter how big your salary is you know um so it depends on your personal values and some people's personal values like you say are to make money and be in that yeah. world and, and and have money but i think mm. it's a empty. i think that you do trade yes your personal fulfillment for that other feeling of okay i've got material wealth so for me, I actually am driven by personal fulfillment. And I remember being in my company that I was growing in Middlesbrough. Mm. We were in a building called Boho One, which is a shared office space. And mm. um, I uh, I was in the office uh, in the cafe with a, a chap called Andy Preston, who is actually the chairman of the CEO Sleepout, and he's now the elected mayor of Middlesbrough. Yeah. And we were chatting, and he goes, well, how's, how's, how's business going? And uh, and I said, well, it's great, but, um, you know, I'm starting to feel like it's not it's not kind of ticking my personal boxes. Mm-hmm. So you go out, you win the business, you put it through the sausage factory, you go mm-hmm. and chase the boys, you go out and win more business and you do it, wake up and do it all again, rinse and repeat. And and I wanted something that I felt like was making a difference. But he at the time was like, oh, right, 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 right. And it felt like it went straight over his head. And then mm-hmm. four years later, I got a phone call and I, I was sitting in my friend Jules's house. We were having eggs on toast for lunch. <laughs> I got a phone call. And he said, right, I've got something I think you might enjoy. And it was a, it was help with CEO Sleepout. So I didn't start the CEO Sleepout, but I came into it to support its growth. And within yeah. about a year, it was, it was me doing it and it was me running it. So yeah. it was exactly the right type of thing that I needed to fulfill those and what a and what a thing! I mean, what a what a charity! What a what a network that you've created! That rolls on fabulously to my next question because I wanted you to to share with us all this wonderful charity, this wonderful work that you're doing. For anyone who hasn't heard or doesn't know about CEO Sleepout, would you just share with them, with with the listeners, what what it is? 
Yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful charity. We're like an umbrella charity grant giver, but we raise our money from business people by inviting them to spend a night out under the stars, have this unforgettable experience where they meet people who've overcome homelessness. They hear from charities what they're doing on the front line of homelessness and poverty in, in their city. We raise big money. We challenge them to raise or donate a minimum of a grand each, and that's yes. two grand each so we raise the yes. big money and that goes gets plowed straight back into local um local charities so mm-hmm. less than 10 days away is uh ceo sleep out newcastle at st james's and i've got 80 odd people signed up you know we'll raise big money we'll donate that out to walking with the wounded the newcastle united foundation people's kitchen the west end food bank and you know yeah. ignoring to change some people's lives or at least alleviate some of the the the, the pressure that people facing that level of um dread when it comes to where am i going to sleep or that yeah. how am i going to pay my bills even families that can't really put enough food on the table all of yeah. that that's going on right now we do that around the country and i'm building this national brand and it is now recognized you know wherever i go and it opens doors yeah it's still the case where it's like wizard of oz if you pull back the little green curtain yes kind of me full-time i'm the only full-time paid um member of staff Mm -hmm. i do have support in london two days a week and i do have some admin support and i've got an army of volunteers helping me make this happen but the ethos when it was set up was that it would be this very lean charity and not a big machine where the ceo gets paid you know heaps of money and all of this yeah um we are going to start to gingerly take steps to grow it and add to a team and i'm going to create a kind of a mini me and and stuff like that so uh we we do hope to expand and grow and do more and there's also an ambition behind it that actually as a body with funds one of my pet projects is i would like it to i would like it to 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 support arts projects because i think arts can tell the stories yeah. and an emotional punch where facts and figures just go over people's head. Yeah. Uh, campaigns, invest in social enterprises that are actually strengthening the fabric of society. Um, so I've got this golden goose egg of a network now that I've built across the UK yeah. um, who all have an inkling of some of the inequalities that we're facing in society. Yeah. And they've all been challenged to play a part in you know, to step into their power in terms of being part of the solution. Mm. So what's next for them? So my big, I guess my big talking point to my passion project is this idea about leaders with purpose. So it's yes. about the social value piece. And I say to business leaders that you've got a power, you've got a massive opportunity, and I would argue that you have a responsibility now. Ain't nobody else going to do it but you. You know, possibly aren't making policies that actually are helping us become a strong and healthy society. So business has this power. It's a voice collectively that policymakers do listen to. But if Mm. you were to get up all the SMEs and enterprise-level businesses, you know, it's more than the PLC. Power there is a power base that's bigger than the PLCs. So Uh get behind this idea of creating real measurable social value Hmm. and and the small things the big things whatever your resource allows do it whether that means pay a living wage or whether it means make sure you um you you offer apprenticeships to people from hard to reach groups yes or 
you know, any of a million things that you could do, get involved in local causes, be philanthropic. So many things that a business can can do, um, but it's about starting to think about and bake it into your policies and procedures and actions to start moving that dial. Yeah, yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it's got to be done from the ground, hasn't it? And and you know, and and the work that you're doing. I mean, goodness gracious, it's absolutely phenomenal. And and to to see how you know you've raised over three million. Yeah, not you know. personally me. No, but no, but <laughs> you've champ- you know, but you've championed this. You've banged the drum. You've driven this project. And I know because I've I've met you, and I I know how passionate you are about this, and and how it's driven by purpose. And um, you know, it's 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 phenomenal. Um, it must be incredibly rewarding. I'm sure challenging. What would you say is the most rewarding part of of your of your role or your, or the job or the the role that CEO sleep out pays? Well, firstly, it's actually making sure the money gets to where it's needed. That's uh, I absolutely love um, sending out the, the money and going and handing over the checks. Sometimes we do it in person and just that's an amazing feeling and seeing what the charities are doing with that, those funds. Yeah. But yeah. actually... What I really love, but it's also a depleting part of the role, is actually the sleeping out and meeting the participants and, you know, passing on that message to them because there's an energy at a CEO sleep out event that I can't describe. As you might sign up and think, oh, what the hell have I done? You know, what have I got myself in <laughs> in for? Yeah. Um, and as the night grows closer, you think, well, can I wriggle out? Can I exit? Can I sort of send Bianca my apologies and not turn up? And then you get there. And it actually is a really, really vibrant, there's an energy, everybody's there to do something awesome. It does crack open that level of compassion and understanding. I love being part of that. And I'll just roll out my role map. I wake up in the morning and again, there's that feeling that they've done something really special. And it's Mm. not like I've trained for five months to run a marathon or something, but they still have that that amazing feeling of doing something for for a higher purpose. Mm. And I love that aspect of it. But saying that that's an aspect of it that I need to start dialing down for me because, again, it's about putting a buffer around my own well-being. And it yes. does keep me physically to go yeah. and do for example, a run of eight sleep outs. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Over an eight-week period or even over a six-week period. So that's, yeah. that's figure out ways to have ambassadors. So yes. My place on the night, but but yeah, it, it, it's an amazing part of the job, and and then the rest of it is getting that message out there, and it's a it's a hustle. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a hustle. I mean, what are the just for anybody listening who's not quite sure, what sort of things? I mean, you've mentioned about these, you know, the, where where the money's distributed, but can you sort of share with some of the, you know, like where the money's gone, and and some real success stories on the back of the of the money? I'm sure there must be many. There's loads of case studies, and I've just stuck because the funds that come through is unrestricted funds to charity. Yeah. They're not obliged to hold uh, any outcomes against them, um, but they do send us case studies, and I do ask them mm-hmm. statements about how that money's helped them do what they do. Yeah. Um, so, for example, in London, there's 13 charities that receive funds. One of the charities um, was brought to our, our attention by a fundraiser called Henrik Mueller, and he's the um, he's the managing director at Fleming's Mayfair. Fleming's Mayfair is the swankiest hotel. It's the top notch. Um, people, you know, really serious people come and stay there. So he's about he's around the corner from mm. incredible inequality and homelessness and destitution. 
And so he thought, well, I need to bridge this gap between the ultra rich, the ultra wealth, and mm. this level of absolute destitution and deprivation that I'm seeing on my doorstep. So how do you marry that up? So he got involved in an amazing charity called Charity Begins at Home. Right. Start delivering just before COVID, they started delivering or in COVID hot meals to people who needed them. And that could yeah. be something rough, or it could be a family that was really struggling. Mm. And the meals are made in the Fleming's commercial kitchen. So he's providing yeah. the food and he's providing the mechanism yeah. to make the meals. And then the volunteers went out and delivered the meals in Charing Cross. And that Fantastic. is 250 meals a week go out now. It's not brilliant. What a, yeah, I mean, that's life-saving, isn't it? Yeah, so we wrote them a cheque for £25,000 this year, um, but they're one of 13 that we funded. So, um, so yeah, Walking with the Wounded walks, works with us across the country in various parts of the UK, and they are ex-service people, so they're supporting those who served. Yeah. Um, amazing charity. They do so much, and they do many different things for people from mental health mm-hmm. to housing. I'm sure they've got a, a, a touch point, you know, when they're back on Civvy Street and things might not be going yeah well for the yeah. they do deserve our support and so oh, absolutely love to fund walking with the wounded there's a there's a there's an organization called only a pavement away which is bringing homeless people through a training program into working in hospitality so we're working with them in london and in manchester yes um, with, i don't you if you've heard the billy chip in no no this I is an idea so it's a chip it's literally like a roulette chip And you can, and they've signed up with people like Greg's to say somebody can buy a coin from Greg's, a billy chip, Uh and that rough sleeper can redeem it for whatever they want in Greg's. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so I think agency to the rough sleepers, we're all about every person who's homeless is an individual with hopes, dreams, talents, backstory, you know, and just has serving of of care and love and and actually not to be patronized no exactly um, you know and so, so as soon as you give somebody agency well instead of saying here's a here's a sloppy you know cold cup of tea or whatever yeah yeah go and get yourself something mate go and treat yeah. yourself just treat them with respect treat these people with respect they deserve respect well, what they've been through what they've overcome really does sometimes deserve respect and we have an yeah. amazing lived experience ambassador called Kerry Douglas, who will be speaking. She's just confirmed that she's ready to speak again in um, Newcastle and Middlesbrough after going through a really, really tough time in her personal life as well. Right. Um, 13, well, sorry, 11 years living on the streets of London from age 13 to age 24. Oh. Newcastle girl, born and bred, um, but life was not kind to her um, in terms of her family life. And by 13, she was living on the streets because that's where she found her family. They're the people who cared for her and they're the people who made sense to her and made her feel like she was somebody. And, you know, that's 11 years entrenched. I'm 13 years of age. I mean, 13, when you think of your children at 13, to be living on the street. I mean, goodness gracious. Her story is unbelievable. She is the most resilient person I know. And she has been through an incredibly tough, another round of quite a very traumatic year. Um, And, but she does kind of pop out the other side because she thinks, well, I've overcome so much. I can get through this as well. It's exactly what we were saying. Yeah. Um, Kerry's is what she's overcome is on a totally different level. Yes. Um, 
you know so yeah and it's all it's, it's all made her who she is and she shares that experience of a great deal of honesty and vulnerability mm. um for people to kind of it just unlocks that compassion and understanding that people don't have around rough sleepers traditionally a rough sleeper is judged you're on drugs mate get yourself sorted not my problem yes. change that yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's absolutely, it's, it's honestly, it's the most wonderful charity. What are the challenges? So for anyone listening here who wants to get involved and where you, where you really need support, what challenges are you facing at the moment? What, 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 what do you really need support and help with? Um, to do more, to do more events in more cities across the UK. Mm. Um, so I need to, I basically need to, to, to stretch myself or hire the person that can do what I do and go and yeah. uh, venues on board and get partner charities on board i mean there's a number of stakeholders involved and mm. bring like this life it'll be a venue that wants to wants to donate it's 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 a space to us yeah charity partners that will help us go and spread the word because of course i can't do it all myself so we do yeah. rely on charity partners to, to talk to their corporate database as well and 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 it's it's building um steering kind of groups and business communities that in each town that want to sort of champion it on our behalf yes so working on all of that that ambassador um building ambassadors at the moment and and you know how we're going to team build the team to be able to to fulfill those ambitions we can't ask for big grants like some charities can because we are a grant giver we don't we don't produce outcomes that we can measure in terms of you know, directly frontline stuff, um, yeah. but facilitate and enable other people better than better than we could to do what they do best, and that and that's what we do. So we just wanted to be able to do more of it, so that I've got these funds where people can apply for money mm. to them and to to help us, yeah, change the change change the face, I guess, and and change businesses' understanding of what the issues are, so that they feel obligated or feel excited about this whole idea of returning that social value and creating social impact. I said to you before, Sarah, there's an opportunity as well. And I do think that, you know, we've got big drivers in play here for businesses to do that. I think that when you're mm. in a flying by the seat of your pants a bit, and, you know, we've all been there, rolled our sleeves up and done 10 jobs and, you know, all the yes. stuff. But you know what? Once you think, okay, well, part of my core pillars in my business is going to be mm. creating social value. Yes. It becomes a bit easy and you think, okay, well, I'm going to build this in. And you just bake it in. And I think, you know, with 20% of the market being Gen Z or younger, they are making yeah. decisions based on whether you've got your ducks in a row and you're doing the right thing, sustainability-wise mm. and socially-wise. Yes, definitely. I mean, what what would you, because I just took, I don't want to lose this uh, this thread because it's important if, 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 if a business is out there and they're thinking, gosh, you know, this is, you know they feel it's really important to them they want to contribute they wanted to support you what would you say you've touched on it a little bit at the beginning of the conversation of what you can do as a business owner to you know to sort of t deliver social impact and be responsible but let's if we can dig a little bit deeper into that what yeah. can what can these businesses do so they're sat here saying right okay we want to help we want to support you what sort of things as a business owner, do you want me to do for you? Okay. To, you know, to deliver this social Im impact. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's two sides to it. There's for CEOs, but specifically, I'd say come and be a corporate partner with us. Yeah. Sponsor 
an event or arrange a regional, you know, series of events. Um, yeah. Let us have, you know, that resource in terms of funding so mm. that we can do what we do better. But if you're in a business and you're thinking, okay, well, there's big things and small things and how do I make the social impact? You've got to look at your stakeholders. You've got to mm-hmm. look at how you're turning value to your stakeholders. And I would say start with your, okay, well, we know your shareholders and stakeholders. We know your suppliers and stakeholders. Start with your workforce. Mm. The workforce first, the families of the workforce and the communities. Think about what value they're receiving. So you're looking after your workforce. Are you making sure that the workers with families their kids have oh. to get into school. You know, yeah. that's, that is, that is, there are so many, there's such a low, there's a, it's this in work poverty we're seeing so much more of. And I think that the responsibility employers have to think is, are my low paid employees actually surviving? Can we, can we then offer some training about budgeting? Mm-hmm. Can we offer, um, credit union to help them save for Christmas? Yeah. Can we offer help nutrition? Yeah. We offer all these these things. Where's your resource? Where's your where's your spare where's your spare time? Where's your knowledge base? How can mm. we deliver something to actually improve a situation? So you map yeah. it all out. Where's where's the gaps? Where's the problems? What have we got as a resource? Map onto that what you can do. What's happening in the community? Because remember, a business is a steward. Yeah. You're a kind of steward of your patch. Mm-hmm. So what's in your immediate, what are the big problems in your immediate community that you could be getting involved with and helping form a solution for? And then there's the more philanthropic stuff like giving money, identifying causes, building and volunteering days, you know, stuff. Now um, we're seeing stuff that have at least two volunteering days a year that aren't mm-hmm. holiday that are fully paid and they can pick something that they want to go off to and do a, do some volunteering. That's brilliant. And then there's all the structural stuff. So your policies, your procedures, your actions, you know, and the metrics that matter, how you're going to measure what you're doing. That's really, really important. But of course, mm-hmm. it's going to be a business because it is based yeah. on what's happening out there, what's, what are, what, what's happening on your doorstep, what's happening in your communities, what's happening within your workforce, how your stakeholders being valued, and then where are your resources? Where can you make a difference? Just yeah. do one thing, start with one thing. Yeah, even one small thing, and then, it, you know, and, and just get the ball rolling. And get the momentum the momentum started, isn't it, really? Absolutely. And I often say it, it stems from the values of the leader. Bake the values yes. of the culture and you will attract staff, you will attract customers based on what you're doing on that front. You know, if you're able yeah. to communicate it through your messaging, boom, you, you've kind of it's a winning, it's a winning combo. Yeah. And I think that's what you said there. The word is values, isn't it? It's a values. Yes. Yeah. Values come through the leader. There is a character that will come through the workforce of its own, but quite mm-hmm. often you find that they've been attracted to that that opportunity because the values align with the leader. Yeah, exactly. And they 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 resonate with those values. You know, that's why that's as you say, it's like you it's like in a magnet that's attracted them to yeah. that that you know in the first place isn't it Absolutely. well your vibe attracts your tribe your vibe attracts your tribe and i think that uh, it really does uh, you know i do believe it stems from the leader of a business and that's why we yeah. specifically to business leaders because they're where the mm-hmm. where, you know that's where the difference is made and then their values yeah. are you through the levels of the organization through the culture through the procedures through the policies through how they do business and yeah. i think you know, we are seeing the face, the way business does business 
is changing. Mm. The fast moving train, I think, has already left the station, and those who don't get on it are going to lose out on the bottom line anyway. So now mm-hmm. talk about people, planet, and profit. Yeah, exactly. And I'll just say one more thing because I know I, I just sort of get carried away and talk and talk. No, no, it's what I'm here for. We do thank our business leaders. Profit is not a dirty word. You absolutely should be proud of the profit you're making, proud mm. of the fact that you can uh, are reaping a reward for the blood, sweat, and tears you've put into building this business. Mm. Um, I say it's about the defini- definition of success. If it's yes. just around returning that profit, is, yeah. is it on the back of low-paid workforce or yes, exactly. you, you, you fat, you, you, the kids of people working for you are going hungry or you know all yeah. that stuff. you've got to redefine it and say okay triple bottom line that's yeah and, the, and, the, and the, yeah exactly and, and that's you know the, the whole thing is it's about getting the best out of your people it's in yeah. your best interests so you want to support them you want you want a happy comfortable confident safe feeling workforce because those people are going to give you everything anyway so it's you know don't strip them and and, and make them, them them suffer and strive champion yeah. them nurture them and support them and you know by by nature they, they're gonna they're gonna lift they're gonna you know they're gonna lift you you know if you can lift That's them support them yeah you're not dragging them towards a the goal they're coming with you and because you've earned that yeah. trust that's and then doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, it's a heart. It's a kind of a purpose-driven idea, mm. and I think that how to you know that is how to win over a, a, a workforce. If 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 they're all heading towards this ideal, this higher ideal, you know, you, mm. that's like it. So yeah, that, that's that's all of what we talk about, Sarah. Um, yeah, and, and I've seen businesses really change as a result. You know, people email me and say. Gosh, we've changed a policy here. We've 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 joined the Living Wage Foundation here, or whatever. Um, mm. So it's, yeah, you know, we're chipping away at it. <laughs> yeah, no, fantastic value. People, you know, it's about shared values and people feeling valued, valued and respected, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's what people want. So. There'll be people who are um, listening to this podcast who may be facing adversity of their own. They could be feeling stuck, lost, lonely, a lot of loneliness at the moment. Um, In terms of adversity in your life, would you be willing to share any adversity that maybe you faced and what you did to to overcome it? Have you ever have you ever faced adversity? I have. I've faced, yeah, I've faced a, a adversity, I think, a couple of times in my life. Mm. Um, like you, I've, I've had that di- that diagnosis twice. Mm. Mm. Uh, and that is a real punch to the stomach. Um, mm. And you think, whoa. Um, mm. But many, many positives came. It's an ill wind that doesn't blow some good. And yes. I'm, a, I'm a lucky one, so I get to stand here and, you know, with all my hair and everything and t- and and yeah. tell you about it. And I know it's not the same for everyone. I've got friends going through horrendous treatments at the moment mm. and really, really heart-wrenching stuff. Yeah. But what I learned was that I I can rely, that I, there are people who care about me that I can rely on when I need them. Yeah. And I'm not always reaching out, but um, if I ever did need them, I know that they would be there for me. So that was a, that's an amazing thing to know that I've built and I've earned enough trust and love and respect that people will be there for me. And overcome, oh gosh, overcoming them is, 
I think what I did mentally was I took myself all the way down the road in my head, mm. took my head around it. And not everyone in their life has done that. Not everyone in their life has faced up to their own death. No. <laughs> faced it down and thought, okay, well, if that happens, then this is what's in place. Um, yes. But I hit it. And so I think it makes me a bit more philosophical about it and a bit more mm. fearless about it. Yeah. Um, you know, God forbid it, it, it happens, but I, I went there. Yes. I went there. And actually it was a really interesting exercise to say, have I lived the life I wanted to lead? Mm. Have I got more to do? Mm-hmm. Um, is everybody I care about going to be okay? Exactly, yeah. That stuff. Yeah. And I would say if you haven't done a, done a mental exercise on that, you know, listen, it's it's hardcore because we're not in a society where people, where we talk about death or we're taught to contemplate our own death and we're kind of led to believe, we lead ourselves to believe that we're utterly invincible. It's never going to happen. It's going to be here forever, yeah. Huge shock yeah. when something comes along. Um, but actually the, probably the healthy way of doing it is to actually think, well, you know, I am finite. Yeah. And I'm supposed to be finite so that new ideas can come through and we can evolve as a race. That's if I lived to a thousand, we wouldn't evolve because I'm stuck in my ways. I'm stuck in my thinking, and I, you know, I'm now old school. I'm a, I'm a generation yeah. you know, X, and you yes. know, anyone younger than us hates us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're old and frumpy, and we're past our sell-by date. Stuffed up the planet, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we're meant to, we're meant to give way to a younger, fresher. Hmm. you know generation and i'm i'm okay with that i'm okay yeah, with that. Yeah. well if we always do what we've always done we're always going to get what we've always got so we've got to have that fresh blood coming through haven't we and as you absolutely. say coming up. absolutely but but yeah. but i'm not ready yet that was no i'm that. not i'm not ready to i'm not ready to hand over the reins just yet i think i've got a little, little, little bit more to do yet and you're, you're right you know what you said there it's about like you, you you know, you and I have shared a similar a similar journey on the uh, in, with our cancer and so forth. And and you're right, you know, it's looking at that through that that sort of lens of have I lived my life, you know, how how I how I wanted to? Have I got out of it what I've wanted? Am I, you know, am I? Is it is it is what I'm doing today leading me on? to that purposeful life that I want to live with passion and fuse that's going to make me happy. And if it isn't, what the fucking hell am I doing? Why am I messing around? Because, you know, God forbid, when that day comes, I want to lie on my deathbed and go, well, I'm bloody glad I did. I don't I don't want to be saying I wish I had. And yes, no. that'll mean that, that will have cocked up, I'm sure, many times in, in this sort of little you know, twisty, twisty road of life. There will be things, but by God, you know, I, I, I worry for the people who think they've got to live this perfect life because the, and this is what this social media has given me this, this sort of laminated veneer of a life that tells you everything's got to be perfect. So people are too scared to live. Um, in case they cock up, uh, they wrap themselves up in cotton wool and put false, yeah. false walls and 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 buy handbags and you know all the consumer stuff as well as part of that. Yeah. Um, it's yes. to make so that dopamine hit to make you to, you know uh-huh. the real stuffs too. Anyway, um, yeah. but 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 I think you know I I I can't remember if I've said this to you 
Sarah, but I've always tell my kids, um, you know, like if you wrap yourselves up in cotton wool, you're yeah. not going to grow. You're just not going to, you're not going to, you've got to, you've got to be brave and you've got to be vulnerable. Yes. Or risk, take risks in life. And, yeah. you know, like before, um, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Yeah, it totally does. And that's a great place. As much as I could talk to you all day, I absolutely love, love chatting to you, Bianca. Um, we'll have to bring this this interview to, to a close. But before I do, I always ask my guests that um, if they could pay forward a, a piece of advice. So if there's somebody listening and they're wanting to embark on a, on a journey of reinvention, they're saying, right, enough's enough. I've had enough of feeling like this. I want to put a stake in the ground and I'm going to make a difference. You know, I, I really do, but I don't know where to start. What do you say to them? What advice do you give them? Um, well, the first thing I would do is figure out what your personal, what you really stand for inside yourself, what's driven your decision-making in the past and what you really stand for. You've got to work that out. You've got to know thyself, don't you? Know what yeah. drives you, know what you stand for. And if you don't stand for anything, then you'll you, you fall for If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Yes. Uh, but, but I think also um, the big thing from our chat today is really do something that makes you want to shit your pants. Like, Absolutely, yeah. Of and just yeah. try it and do it because mm. you will land. It's like every time I've had to step off a cliff edge and pray yeah. that the parachute is going to open, yeah. it has. do something that terrifies you and I'm yeah. you will land on your two feet one way or mm -hmm. another. Yeah, absolutely. That is the most wonderful, wonderful advice. So on that note, I need to thank you so, so much. Um, thank you to our listeners for listening to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. Thank you so much, Bianca, for this incredible uh, interview, for joining us and sharing your mission. Uh, please head to the show notes to find links to follow Bianca and get involved with the CE Sleep Out. Bianca, where can um, people find out about you and more about the CEO Sleep Out? What, what links could you share? Yeah, ceosleepout.co.uk. All the cities we're running events are there on the homepage. So you can easily, easily sign up and um, get involved. And you can find me on LinkedIn. That's my plan. Yeah, fantastic. That's where you that's where you hang out. So yes. follow the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please do share the formidable over 40 with anyone you think will enjoy it or needs it please do like and subscribe. Thank you ever so much for joining us, Bianca. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved it, Sarah. Thank you.